Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include MBA-funded volume estimates, my interview with C2 Financial and Revest Homes, Jim Black, on how originators can win business in a tough rate environment, and takeaways from yesterday's consumer price index. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award-winning developer of mortgage technology for modern lenders. Simple Nexus provides loan officers with on-the-go origination convenience, anytime, anywhere. Learn how Simple Nexus's innovative solution keeps loans moving around the clock at simplenexus.com. How about some fun with numbers? Although the NBA thinks we'll fund about $1.7 trillion in 2023, weekly applications continue to reflect a declining market, so let's use $1.5 trillion to make the numbers easier. That averages out to about $6 billion per business day of production. If you remember, there are 250 business days in the year. And the Fed is looking to offload $13 billion in mortgage-backed securities from bank seizures. To keep things in perspective, that's only two days' worth of production, and certainly not enough to, quote-unquote, swamp the boat. Perspective is good, and here's another example. Higher and volatile interest rates... Uncertainty about property values and stresses in some property markets have increased pressure on some loans and properties. Accordingly, MBA reported that commercial and multifamily mortgage delinquencies increased in the second quarter of 2023. Even with the uptick in delinquency rates, they remain at the lower end of historical ranges. Loans backed by properties and property types with stable cash flows are faring better than those that may have seen declines in incomes. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show C2 Financial and Revest Homes, Jim Black, to talk about how originators can win business in a tough rate environment. He's a 20-plus year mortgage veteran and fintech industry advisor, having been fortunate enough to help over 8,500 families with the dream of home ownership. Jim's licensed in over 25 states and focuses on jumbo and non-QM products. He's currently the banking division director of C2 Financial, one of the largest brokerages in the country and also the co-founder of Revest Homes, a real estate and finance company built on helping families create wealth through real estate. You just got back from Inman Connect. I know you're excited to, to share some of what went on there. What were some of the best insights you gleaned from your experience out there? The Inman event is really truly about forward-thinking mindsets, leadership, innovation, and also what this industry looks like in the future. So I was in the Inman event this year. They had a mortgage finance fintech element that they added to it in Las Vegas. My biggest takeaway from that was get to the client first, get to the relationship and connect as strong as you can before people make decisions to buy or sell, before they make decisions to refinance or do a purchase loan. That does not mean you're going to get a transaction tomorrow with that approach, but it all of the large real estate companies are now trying to create portals and create an ownership hub around getting to that client before they make those decisions. Tran- transactions in the past have been very reactive. I always visualize a realtor running around with a listing agreement, thinking that someone is going to sell their property tomorrow in uh, one of the largest decisions that they make. And unfortunately, I think that mindset is kind of gone now. So truly 
being there in front of the opportunity to be an advisor, to be someone that can add value and help someone make a great decision. Maybe not to sell, maybe not to move, maybe to stay in their home. So that Inman conference really was about finding ways to attract a client through the homeownership journey and also be there for those events in life that come up and be that trusted resource. And those people that understand relationships and how to network and connect will always continue to lead in their local markets. Well, you teased us a little bit, though. You said it was a, a glimpse into the future. So what does the future of this kind of one housing industry look like, in your opinion? The large real estate portal companies, Zillow, Redfin, Compass, you name them, they all understand that they need to get to the client first. So they are trying to create a knowledge-based homeownership hub approach to be there for the journey ahead. So companies are investing millions and millions of dollars right now to attract that client to come into the journey ahead. I know when your previous guest you had on was Milestones. Uh, Milestones is a great example of that. They are creating a journey ahead to be there when they're needed, to be there when someone needs to find a plumber, someone needs to find a loan officer, a realtor, an insurance person. So these large real estate companies are trying to take someone off the internet and bring them onto their intranet to get them off the noise and offers from you know their internet sites to basically bring them in, cultivate a relationship and try to make them be the go-to resource for anything related to mortgage, insurance, or real estate. We're seeing that right now with Zillow, for example, trying to do Zillow Mortgage, they basically drive their consumers to have to use Zillow Mortgage. And sometimes I find that those fintech companies really lose the insight of what matters most. If I'm local, I probably know the best local accountant, CPA, attorney, insurance provider, bank, uh, contractor, plumber, you name it. And so that mindset of trying to, to capitalize on a website to create localized relationships will be, I think, the biggest challenge for our industry in the next three to five years. Companies that understand and, and do that correctly will win. They'll retain their clients. I look at it very similarly to how banks have a higher level of retention by the amount of cross-sell opportunities that they create. So I think the stats came out years ago. Um, if you have seven to eight products at a bank, the likelihood of you doing your next transaction of any kind with that bank is something like 81%. So you're seeing that now translate over to real estate and lending. The more hooks people have in offers or value propositions, the higher level of retention they're going to have and the higher level of engagement in the future they'll also have. Because we know that in the past, real estate agents and lenders, you kind of forget about the company, the name, the individual, you know, six months to a year into the transactions. So this is a way to try to galvanize that relationship and add value through the journey of homeownership, not just in the transaction side. I think that's excellent insight. And you mentioned there yourself, you consider yourself a trusted advisor to clients or potential clients. And, and I think building trust and having that relationship is so important. But I would say, even if you've always been a trustworthy guy, you haven't necessarily been a trustworthy advisor. You know, when you first start in the business, you got to kind of build yourself up. 
So I want to ask you, as as an originator out there, what's what's some of the best advice you received from a fellow originator, a mentor when you were starting out in the business? Yeah, great question. I was very fortunate in 2002 for someone to take a chance on me. I was given an opportunity to work with one of the top branch managers at a large national bank. His name was Gene Mackey. He was in the Bay Area, California. And I was very lucky to have been brought into his his space in his office. And he said to me, Jim, if you love helping people with large decisions in life, if you love to grow and learn in your own goals by what people have done or choices they've made, then you're going to thrive in this marketplace because people need more support, more education, more knowledge, more advice now than ever with interest rates being close to seven and a half percent with inventory being at some of its lows in the last 30 years. Truly, if you have a passion for this job, I don't call it a job. I call it really a, a career. Um, then you're going to stand out amongst the other people that are looking for a paycheck. I like when things take their time. I like when things are slow. I like when people make decisions when they have the right tools and people around them. So I'm honored to be part of that journey. And again, it all started with my mentor. And again, it's not about getting paid. It's not about a commission. It's really, truly about helping people and paying it forward. Um, And again, that passion is the key right now to staying relevant and really gaining market share in a market when people are hiding, they're not leading, they're deciding to, um, when things get tough, to walk away and be on the sidelines. And to me, when things get tough, that's when I choose to lead and stand out even more. I like that your mentor made made it a point of uh, having you understand the, the ins and outs of the process from day one. And you might have been humbled from day one, but a lot of really successful people have been humbled as of late in the mortgage industry. It's been a tough time out there. So I'm going to ask you to channel Mr. Mackey here and ask you, Jim, how do you win business when there are less loans being originated? What's what's some of the secret sauce? And I'm, I'm thinking you're probably going to go towards the relationship side of things here. Adding value is the key. Um, right now, uh, it's, it's okay to say it's not a good time to do something. It's okay to, to let people know that you're an authentic person that's gone through the same journey they have in deciding to buy or sell or rent or own. And so it is being, I would say it's being genuine and authentic and making sure that you listen to the needs of that specific person's objectives. So many times retail bankers or certain real estate professionals will just jam something down without a customized approach and they don't listen first. So right now I am spending more time listening to people before I speak. I'm spending more time understanding the actual goals of the of the consumer or the family or the homeowner or the realtor or my referral partner. Because if I don't understand that goal even more intimately right now, then I'm probably not giving the best sound advice I could. And then that leads to that relationship you mentioned. If I'm not able to add the customized value that someone's looking for, then I have a weaker relationship than I started. So I'm really taking more time, probably about twice as much time right now to make sure that I've surrounded that client, borrower, homeowner with the right resources for their needs. It might mean that they need to talk to a CPA or file their tax returns or understand 
their home insurance changes that they need to think about. Either way, I am slowing down my process to make sure that I'm being more assertive in adding value with authenticity and making sure that people know that there's no pressure to work with us. When you do that, you take down all the barriers and walls of worry or stress or what's this guy's hidden agenda, and you'll find you get better traction. And right now, I'm not looking at my results as how many loans I funded, how many per, how many you know dollar volume transactions I've done. I'm looking at how many help, how many families that I've left an impact on, how many families are trusting me when they do make the decision to do something. So I'm trying to get in front of those people right now and be there with those pieces of the puzzle and and make sure that when they need me, I'm available. I've mentioned this before, I think with you, I like to call myself the bat loan man or the bat real estate professional. I want to be there when the signal goes up and someone needs me. I don't want to be there harassing someone or sending recipes for my grandma's favorite pumpkin pie recipe. I want to be there and be relevant when they need something, they know they can count on me and that they know I will put everything else aside to be there for them. And there's no agenda. It's to be there as a resource and help them find the right answers to their questions and provide solutions. Well, you might be a resource to your clients, but the company behind you also needs to be a resource to you. And and you're a top producer, but uh, and and with that comes options about where you want to apply your trade or what company you want to work for. So what are some key considerations when deciding what company you or any successful originator or producer should work for? Very good question, Robbie. So right now is one of these moments in time where I have a sign near my door that says, please leave your ego at the door. And the reason I have that sign is that there are no sacred cows. That was another advice piece that Gene Mackey gave me. Jim, you have to look at all options. You have to make sure you're humble enough to know what's in the best interest of your clients is what is in the best interest of you downstream. I am lucky to be licensed in 31 individual states in the United States. That is about, that is about one month of, of continuing education. So the month of January, I'm pretty much watching David Luna for like, you know, hours upon hours, getting through all my CE credit, which is continuing education. And this year I decided that it was not worth having all those licenses individually under my own company and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on compliance every year, along with all the reporting and audits and licensing requirements and updating uh, investors. I decided that it'd be better to be on a platform that has all those tools available to me to allow me to stay in the highest and best use of my ability, which is helping families. So my advice to any loan officer right now or any real estate professional to look yourself in the mirror, what, what creates success for you? Is it having your name on the door? Is that the most important part? Or is it partnering and teaming up with a platform that can allow you to stay in what you love doing, what you're good at doing? In this marketplace, a lot of people are getting diluted. And what I mean by being diluted is a lot of people are having to wear 
16 different hats. They can't afford to have a marketing channel. They can't afford to have a compliance channel. They can't afford to have head of underwriting, head of operations. So you have to look yourself in the mirror, look at your business model, look at what drives you to your success and think about, am I in the right platform? So for me personally, I switched my platform from being really truly on my own to now being part of a platform called C2 Financial. C2 Financial is one of the largest brokerages in the country, and they've been around for 30 years. So my belief right now is to go with platforms that have experienced cyclical markets, that have experienced leadership that's been through challenging times, and know that it's okay to not have all the answers, but surround yourself around other professionals like my Gene Mackey story that can help mentor you and be a sounding board, be a peer, be a mentor or a mentee in these challenging times. We all want to surround us ourselves around people that are stronger than us, that we can look up to, that have some of the strengths that we may not have. And you're seeing that across the channel right now. You're seeing comp- comp- companies like Compass bring back retired leaders like Mark McLaughlin is one of my favorite people in the real estate industry. They're bringing him back in to help bring back some of his experience to help make sure that Compass is the strongest you know, real estate company they can be in this marketplace. So you can't replace experience with technology. You can't replace knowledge and understanding with some new equation or some new grad school thesis. It truly is around surrounding yourselves around the tools you need to keep yourself in the strength of what you love about what you do. That way, if you love what you do, you share your passion, your compassion, your excitement for consumers. They will feel that. Your real estate partners also will feel that. Your vendor partners or other trusted advisors will feel that you still have a passion for doing this. And that is a differentiator between going with an online company or working with a local professional. If you can share your personal story, if you can share insights and you look past the transaction to what matters most, then you'll be busy in this marketplace. You will continue to grab market share. And yes, while market share is consolidated, the percentage of your market share continues to go higher. So this happened to me in 2008 and 2009 where we had a major crisis with housing, with home ownership, with foreclosures, short sales. Those were ironically some of my best years because coming out of those markets, I had gained so much market share with branding, with my reputation, with my relationships, my contacts, my database, that I was able to excel and do three times the volume I did prior to that big debacle that we went through there. So out of out of uncertainty, out of clutter comes opportunity. That's an old Albert Einstein quote. But uh, that's the way I look at our time right now is you're investing in yourself. You're reinvesting in your business. You're making sure that you have the A-team around you. And that will keep you strong. That will keep you thriving. That will keep you looking forward at opportunities versus the distractions that a lot of people face right now, which are How do I manage an extra thing on my plate? How do I manage one more task I have to do in my day that takes me away from what I love? 
So I've been very lucky to be, uh, you know, part of the C2 financial family. Uh, there are great brokerages, great banks throughout the country. Make sure you inspect who the leadership is. Make sure you agree with the values that a company stands for, because in hard times, your values will resonate resonate throughout what you do. And I want to be surrounded by companies and partners that have the same values I have, because it will just help me stand the test of time, help me thrive. And ironically, we're still helping people every day. So business is still happening here. I look at my my job as really being in front of life events. If I'm in front of life events, I'm busy because it doesn't matter about interest rate. It doesn't matter about um, if there's inventory or not. It really matters about that individual family's objectives and how we get them to their goals in the most sound, optimal way that creates a custom solution for them. And then I become even more important in that family down the road. So there are certainly a lot of different ways to measure one's success, but a kind of a common one for everybody out there is how much money they're bringing in and how well they're able to support their family in that sense. And so I, I want to ask you, is there any chatter you can share in regard to LO Comp and what the current market is like? I know it's been a big discussion point over the last 18, 24 months. Yeah, great question. Uh, first and foremost, um, I'll explain my career in a few words. I choose to work with a company, a team, an office, a branch, teammates, and my partners that I do business with. I choose to work with, right? With means you are collaborating together. You win together or you lose together. A lot of loan officers believe it's all about them. Yes, do I make a big difference in impact in families? Absolutely. The mistake that people make is they believe it's all about them versus about all the elements that make them successful. So loan officers, unfortunately, make the mistake of looking at their compensation as the number one driver and where they should work. They think they are free agents. They believe that they are um, galvanized to not have to worry about anything about what they their priorities are themselves first. Uh, unfortunately, in this marketplace, you have to have the humble pie and, and realize that you have to be in a platform that will allow you to succeed and allow you to help families create wealth through real estate. The old assumptions of, you know, 100% of zero is still zero versus maybe I make a little bit less, but I get to help 10 families. That's a way better approach right now to help more people to create more at-bats, to create more wins. And that's truly scaling your business and diversifying your business so that you're not counting on one or two deals to make a living. Please think about the longer the longer run and what matters most. It's about gaining as many households as you can and trusted partners as you can. And loan officers need to realize that if a bank or a mortgage company is losing money to have them employed, that is not a long-term winning recipe. Something is going to break. That does not make sense. Uh, I worked at a large national bank back in the mid-2000s. 
I was the number four loan officer in the country for this bank for three years in a row. They had over 5,000 loan officers. There were times in my career where I felt guilty that I was not adding value to the bottom line of that company I worked with. I know it sounds crazy, but there are so many ways banks lose money in mortgage to gain a client to be able to cross-sell other financial products. I had a hard time with that. I struggled with that because to me, I was losing money for a bank. I looked at the value that I was bringing and it was pretty depressing because the rates were so much lower than the competition. It wasn't really about me. It was about the rate. So right now in this marketplace, those sweetheart deals have all dried up. Banks are trying to stay afloat. They're trying to stay in in business. So right now, please know you and the company you work with have to win together. So so loan officers compensation, I believe, will be shifting. Uh, Smart companies that have a great formula are still in the same exact place they were years ago because they have the right recipe for success. Everyone wins together. If you win together, it creates the right alignment to have reinvestment from a company in you to bring tools that support you and the company. And there are a lot of great fintech tools out there right now that can help you and your company win. And uh, that's what I would give advice for loan officers. Realize it's a zero-sum game. Realize you have to look at the entire equation to make sure you're relevant and that you as an investment is a good investment in a bank, mortgage company, or real estate company. The days of you know, 99% splits don't make sense. They, they, it doesn't make sense for anyone. So you have to really evaluate that and realize that you are a very large part of the equation, but not the whole equation. Excellent advice. I really appreciate having you on today. I wish you the best of luck going forward. I I think there were some incredible insights you share here. So I want to thank you very much for the time. Thanks, Robbie. I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you soon and keep rocking, man. I really appreciate all you guys do and uh, keep leading the way. In rate news, even though inflation in August showed a larger than expected increase in core CPI, which came in at 0.3% when it was expected at 0.2%, it showed ongoing improvement on a year-over-year basis, enough to prevent any significant change in Fed rate hike expectations. The implied likelihood of a rate hike in December sits around 46%. Digging into the numbers, gasoline prices contributed to nearly half of the increase to the headline number, rising nearly 11% month-over-month, and that inevitably had some trickle-through impact on the core reading, as transportation services were driven higher by energy prices. The 3.7% year-over-year rate of CPI is still well above the Fed's 2% target, reflecting stickiness that, well, probably not compelling enough to the Fed to raise rates further at this point as the trend in inflation has downshifted since the spring, will certainly keep the Fed in a higher-for-longer mindset. Looking forward to the FOMC meeting next week. Another pause in rate hikes is already baked in, so the importance is actually much more about rate decisions in November, December, and January. Today's economic calendar is underway with several releases. Events kicked off with the ECB releasing its latest monetary policy decision, up 0.25%, as expected, in an effort to continue to tame inflation, followed by ECB head Lagarde's press conference. 
The U.S. calendar is also underway with retail sales up 0.6% for August, much higher than expected. The producer price index, which came in up 0.7%, much stronger than expected, with core up 0.3%. And weekly jobless claims, which came in at 220,000, 1.688 million continuing claims. Later today brings July business inventories, Treasury announcing the sizes for next week's reopen 20-year bonds and 10-year tips auctions, and Freddie Mac's latest primary mortgage market survey. We begin Thursday with agency MBS prices worse a few 30 seconds from Wednesday evening, the 10-year yielding 4.27 after closing yesterday at 4.25%, and the 2-year at 5.02% after the slew of economic news. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Why did Steve Harvey have to get a divorce? He had a family feud. (laughs) Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, an Encino company, makers of the mortgage technology suite that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution. Learn more at simplenexus.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.